welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm Jigsaw. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was, that was terrible. I'm so sorry for all the audience, all the Dreadfuls who just heard that. I don't know. I, I'm Chris. I'm not Jigsaw. Or am I? You're not. I'm not. No. You're James Wan. Uh, I am James no. Wan. Yes. You're not ja- <laughs> no, I'm not. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. James Wan is amazing. He's he is. he's far far more talented than I am. We stop. So today we're talking about uh, Saw one and two. This is the beginning episode into the Saw franchise, and I'm really excited about this. Me too. I realized that that didn't come off as excited as I actually am because I was swallowing from before. It's okay. Rye's full of wine right now. It's fine. I am. Um, <laughs> well, I know we talked a little bit about this during the Poughkeepsie Tapes episode, but just in case, as a refresher, um, I have only ever seen up to saw five stay with me so and i remember why i stopped after saw five so i'm kind of hoping that it won't have the same effect on me because i noticed watching these two movies what used to affect me doesn't anymore i think the reason why i stopped watching the saw series was halfway in between or it was somewhere in between oh there's another saw movie and oh i missed the first two because I, I think, granted, um, I still haven't seen all the way up to Jigsaw, which was the final movie, which came mm. out, I want to say like, what, 2017, 2016? Uh, something like that, yeah. It's like fairly recent, like within the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe this is coloring my, my judgment for future episodes or future movies, but I just felt like the first two were the most quintessential. I mean, there, I wouldn't... I think they encapsulate what's best, what makes Saw so great as a franchise. I think it's kind of fair to say that the first two may not necessarily be uh, horror movies. They're more like really fucked up mystery thrillers, um, much like Seven uh, by David Fincher. And they yes. uh, and then the, a lot of critics um, made that comparison to... Review, uh, when they're reviewing the first saw what i love about the first two and i you know the, that opinion still stayed when rewatching this film like um yes there was gore but the movies weren't about the gore and that's something that starting in saw three and on the directors of the production team just went more in that direction like it's a very it's been it's a really it's been really well documented that james wan never intended to make a torture porn film it just yeah. kind of it went in that direction and like the first two films went more into like existential themes of morality and there was like and yes it was it was it was totally like a really dark screwed up messed up mystery thriller and i love that about that and um i it still gives me joy after watching these two films and then we'll talk about it in future episodes but like it, it definitely becomes more about the torture and the gore and out how far can we outdo ourselves in the future iterations? So I feel like the soft, the, at least the first two, were like the most cerebral, um, and not to, not to take away from any of like the kills and the traps. Like some of these, 
some of these traps are really cool, really shot, really well done. And I think it just it's the the first two films for me are a bit more impressive because they still have that indie feel, the indie flavor. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just I going back and seeing these again, there are things that I know for a fact. I could not stomach when I watched it the first time, the second time, even the third time. But now you're desensitized. <laughs> I'm ext- I think I'm extremely desensitized. I remember the first time I tried to do a rewatch of these movies, I stopped at I think three or four because of one of the traps that they used. And I remember it shocking me enough to a point where I was like, I cannot watch these movies anymore. And then I stopped. And then I tried to do another rewatch a couple of years after that, and I stopped at five for the stupidest reason ever, I might add. It wasn't the traps or anything like that. What bothered me was the color of the blood. Was it too bright? Or too... It was pink. Oh. Uh. From my memory, and it just took me out of all of it. So I remember just being in a really foul mood for the rest of the movie and I was just sort of like well this is it they lost their touch I'm done because how hard is it to make blood red I just I remember screaming that at the tv so I can't even remember anything about the movie because I was so mad at just like this one tiny stupid detail which someone gets stabbed they start leaking out Pepto-Bismol right exactly (laughs) but that's exactly what it was it was like I think one of the kills was in like this giant like tank that was like glass container that was in the middle of whatever and I just remember it spraying pink everywhere I was like are they vomiting Pepto-Bismol or is this supposed to I don't understand what's happening and I just remember it took me out of it completely not that blood is like an essential thing but if you're going to show a geyser effect like at least let it be the right color so it put me off and that's where I stopped. I can't even tell you if I watched the whole movie because I don't remember. <laughs> well, Ryan, now we know why you stopped watching Saw, or at least after Saw 5. But what got you into the Saw series? What Did you watch Saw Ooh. 1 or Saw 2 first? I definitely saw the first Saw movie first. Uh, I... I think I saw it at home with my parents, if we're being really honest. <laughs> um, they they tried to indulge me in my horror fantasies when I was younger. And obviously that came back and bit them in the ass hard when I was just like, oh, let's watch this. And I remember pitching it to them sort of like seven. Like, oh, it's, it's a crime thriller. It'll be fine. And it yeah, was okay. It's, it's very much similar to Seven, except yes. it, focusing on the detectives, it focuses on the victims instead. Right. And, I mean, uh, 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 it has like a killer who's super deranged and has like these really intricate and cryptic puzzles that they have to solve. So, I mean, the the the, par- the comparison definitely sticks. On that note, for like a second, I was thinking about this while I was watching it, and we can discuss this after like a little bit later, but something to think about are the parallels between John Doe as a killer and Jigsaw. I saw them, but I think Jigsaw quite literally executed it better. Mm. Uh, 
Well, he yeah. did it. He did it more t- more frequently than John Doe. John also, Doe was. Also I mean, that. John Doe had like it was part. It was all one super big plan and. He... Yeah, but John Doe's John Doe's um, methods for doing that were pretty extreme and pretty well thought out too. Mm. Yeah, like like um, what's it called? Sloth, like strapping someone to a bed for like a, a full year. Yeah. Something like that takes meticulous planning. You have to pick the people for the reasons that you see fit, which is exactly what Jigsaw does. I just think that he does it a little bit cleaner, for lack of a better word. And he also has this Charles Manson thing about him where, as Detective Carey says, he never actually kills anybody, which is true. Jigsaw never picked up a knife, never picked up a gun. He never, he never actually killed anybody. Yeah, I, I actually, it's. I know we're getting on tangents, but I, I read up this interesting, yeah, interesting. Which in New fact. York State, you can still be charged with like second degree. Yeah, murder second degree for murder, what he did, or but um, still depraved indifference murder, where you put someone in a situation where they're very likely to die, you can still get charged. But fuck uh, it, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I found myself sitting there while I was watching it, like, damn, Jigsaw's a fucking genius, De- completely deranged. But a genius. And, and, <laughs> like, and magnificently played by Tobin Bell. So, yes. Yes. Also, things I didn't notice until I was watching behind the scenes. And I'm I sort of pride myself on noticing the little details, especially when I'm rewatching something that I've seen a bunch of times. When Jigsaw or John is lying in the hospital room where they're talking about his inoperable brain tumor. There is a sketch in front of him of the reverse pear trap. Oh, and nobody noticed. And not, <laughs> nobody noticed. I didn't notice. And it took until watching the behind the scenes where they zoom in on his face. And I look down and I'm like, that's the reverse bear traps. Oh, my God. And that says a lot about Jigsaw as a character and why I think people like him so much. Mm-hmm. He tells you everything you need to know. He gives you all the details. You just and you just need to listen to them, which was very much a theme in Saw Two. Yeah, it's like pay attention, like observe, exactly. look closer. And I, I wrote a bunch of this down, and I was like, oh my god, he literally gives you all the information. It's all right there in front of you, which again I think only accentuates how intelligent he is. Now, if only he used those powers for good. No, of- <laughs> no, he, he, he's using it for quote unquote good. You know, yes, uh, yes, re- restoring the human condition, and he's restoring and, the life balance. Yeah, you know. Okay, um, but you asked honing, me a question. Honing our uh, our evolutionary psycho- uh, edge or something like that. Um, anywho, right? You asked me a question the first time I saw saw. Okay, um, I was with my parents, and. I remember being very fascinated with it until the end. And that part used to make me a little queasy. Uh, wait, which... Oh, when, when he sawed off his own foot? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember... I even... I think I wrote that down, too. I was like... Actually, wait. Of all the traps I can watch people being put through, I can't watch Carrie cut his foot off. She says while watching it very, very calmly... I I remember not being able to deal with it. I remember watching it through very 
spaced out closed eyes. And now I was just sort of like, meh. It's a walk in a park. It's a walk in a park. It's totally fine. But I was completely fascinated and blown away with a serial killer like Jigsaw. And I couldn't wait for there to be a sequel. See, and I, I watched was. it in reverse. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was weird. Like, so I, I guess I, I missed the boat on the first Saw, which came out in 2004. But me and my friends back in high school, so I want to say, yeah, I was like 17. I was in, I was a junior in high school, and uh, that's when Saw 2 came out in 2005. So a group of us all went to see Saw 2. And it was really fun. It was really awesome. I remember watching it in the theater. And one of our friends, Rachel, she's a huge, huge horror fan. Uh, spoilers. I mean, if you haven't, haven't watched Saul yet. <laughs> uh, actually, I already spoiled the end of Saul 1. But um, yeah. please watch. Please pause this show. Watch the two films. Come back. Uh, but the end of Saul 2. So you had Amanda and uh, Daniel... And they're running through the house and Xavier, the big guy with the knife, he's gone crazy. He's trying to kill them and grab the numbers that are written on the back of their necks. Um, and they end up uh, through uh, through this sliding door and lo and behold, they end up in the bathroom from the first movie. And Rachel, she just lost her mind. She's like, oh! And then I, I mean, I, not seeing the first one, I was like, I I was kind of baffled, um, and the movie, the, the the production, of the movie, they give you hints, um, alert alluding to that this happened before, or this happened previously, or they they pan to the de- decomposed bodies of the of of a Zep and Adam. And you can see like oh, the, poor Adam just left there. Just left there, and they, they also see you also see Doctor Lo- or Doctor Gordon's foot, uh, and the the bone saw. So even if you haven't seen Saw Two, you can pick up from context clues that this was a pretty big reveal. I didn't get to enjoy that surprise moment, but a- shortly after uh, watching Saw Two, I, I enjoyed the film so much, and so I, then I rented it. Um, uh, I watched the first one. Then I then I did like a marathon when Saw Two was on DVD Blu-ray. That was it. It was like, yeah, this is great. I love this. This is really well done. So yeah, that was my first exposure to Saw. So I I, re- I still wish I had that that moment of surprise. But I mean, just even even just watching it uh, after so many times. Today and yesterday, um, it just gives me. It still gives me chills because it's, it's such excellent storytelling and pacing and really clever editing, and it just ups- subverts your expectations. Especially if you haven't seen it before. The just production team, the writers, they try to keep you guessing, and much like Jigsaw, they try to misdirect you. And you even see this in the production or the filming, the actual film. Like I didn't know this, but in the first film. Um, they filmed all the bathroom scenes in chronological order, so the actors didn't know like what what was gonna happen in the end. And I think for I think it was yeah I believe it was for Saw Two. I think like the last twenty two minutes or last f- several pages of sc- the script wasn't given to the actors um, just to 
keep up the surprise. Also in Solitude, they filmed five alternate endings just to keep the cast guessing. Yeah, so it's, it's very meta. I, I love it. So it was a real fucking treat for me to go back and be able to do all of this all over again. The difference between this viewing and the other ones that I've done before is that I have like DVD extras that I bought when I bought all of these movies. So, okay, I bought all eight uh, on Black Friday. You got, a, you got a, such a steal. I did. I got all eight of them. I think they're all like unrated or director's cuts for $20. It just seemed like a no-brainer to me to do all of that. So I did. And I get to watch all of these extras now that come with it that I never have before, never really looked up. And on one of the extras for Saw is like a fake, um, almost like investigation discovery type or like Dateline or one of like those. Like a fake mockumentary or fake No, like report. a fake mockumentary, but like a fake, like, I guess, um, police report, true crime type thing. And it was called the Full Disclosure Report. And it talks about the events of Saw and what happened after that. And Donnie Wahlberg, as a cop, makes an appearance. And that completely directly ties into the second one there were just things that i was noticing where i was like oh oh shit i was like oh this is genius but stuff like that you don't see any of that in the movie so that was just stuff getting to watch little things like that really made the experience this time i will also say that i started my day off the day of this recording (laughs) i woke up very early (laughs) showered poured myself some coffee and watched saw two before work and hey. i was in a great mood for the rest of the day <laughs> and everyone was like you're awfully chipper today i'm like you really don't want to know why <laughs> i saw a guy's heads get punctured through a death mask like a I Venus saw flytrap. a it girl was great. bleed to death with her like through her wrists and you know okay so now that we're talking about the traps the reverse bear trap still gets me every time. I it's just really, really, it's just like a such a visually shocking and iconic shot, and like of course and it was functional it on, too. Yeah, yeah, they they put it on the promos, and that's like that's how they got their start. I mean, they they filmed that sh- that short demo film just to get you know approval or, or from a production company, I believe. So I think. Um, as well, much that as was I part of, love- yeah, that was part of what they sent to them. It was Lee Winnell sitting in the chair with a reverse bear trap on his face. And that's pretty much how they sold the movie. I did find it really intriguing that, um, Carrie, who plays Dr. Gordon, was the first person to sign on to this movie. Yeah, I was, um, I was really surprised about that. I mean, Carrie Ells, I mean, he's most well known for, like, a lot of comedies. The Princess uh, and, and Bride. Dramas. Yeah, The Princess Bride. I'm offended and... that was not the first thing out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like in the Robin Hood Men in Tights. And um, he's done some dramas, but I, I feel like. I, I, do you know if he's done any other horror movies? I, I, th- I feel like Saw was his first horror film, but I, I don't know. He's like, he has a long and storied career, so I, I mean, I could be wrong. I will check. 
Uh, okay, well, so he's been in record, Bram Stoker's you, Dracula. Oh, wait, he you, was uh, he was Lord Arthur Homewood. Oh, right, he was oh. Arthur Homewood. Okay, well, I, I got news for you. When you type his name in an IMDb, the first thing that comes up right underneath it is the movie Saw. Just Yay. saying. Just saying. I haven't seen this film, but he's been in a film called Shadow of the Vampire. It's a 2000 horror film directed by E. Elias Mirahige. It stars John Malkovich and Will Defoe. Oh my yes, gosh. Yes, this is the movie about Nosferatu. Okay, we should watch this. Because where they where they theorize that Max Shrek was actually a vampire. That's that movie. Oh. Okay. yeah. That's cool. Also, yeah. So he, he but has that's some... also a comedy. So you know. Hmm. I feel um, like Batman Beyond, Pinky and the Brain, Quest for Camelot. I forgot he, he was. He's been okay. in Psych Nine. I haven't seen this film. It's a American Czech horror film from 2010. Uh, okay, so he has he has a handful of horror, horror movies under his belt. Yeah, he uh, was in the X Files. He played Ted Bundy in a movie. What? What? He played Ted Bundy. It was a movie called The Riverman from two thousand four, and it says a series of interviews are conducted with convicted serial killer Ted Bundy in hopes of gaining insight into the Green River Killer who is terrorizing Seattle. Okay, well now I gotta watch this. Hey, he's playing Ted fucking Bundy. We should have a Ted Bundy episode because the Zac Efron Bundy I have Netflix shows about already that. out, right? Yeah, I have feelings about that movie. Oh, um, hot takes. Go check it out on the blog because I already made a post about it. <laughs> but I would be okay with doing a Ted Bundy episode because there are, there are. I feel like there are. I mean, between the Ted Bundy tapes, that and this, I feel like there are a few movies out there that are either based on ted bundy or are explicitly about ted bundy so we can do that also mind hunter season two is coming out like <gasps> real quick mind i can't hunter wait for mind hunter yeah mind hunter season two is coming out in august so we're gonna have a lot to talk about yeah okay so we're, we're calling it we're doing a bonus episode or an actual episode on mind hunter absolutely yes. i will probably binge the entire second season in about two or three days because that's about how long it took me to watch the first season. Mm. I was just blown away by how good. good it was. It's okay. Anywho, so Carrie Ells. Going, back, going <laughs> back to Saw, uh, Carrie Ells was the first person to be on board with this movie. And his reaction upon getting a DVD and a script, he said that he just sent back, wow, with an exclamation mark. And he was, just, he was in. And I think that not only does that say a lot about him and the way he wanted to do this and and how badly he wanted to be in this movie but i do think that that says a lot about lee Wanell and james wan and the work that they were about to put into this film and the passion behind it this was their passion project this was their baby and then all of a sudden they were doing it and i can't imagine having a having anything like that and watching it come to life in front of you and then explode into all of this. I mean, I understand what you're saying when you said that James Wan said that he never intended to take to make a torture porn movie. Uh, I feel like the first one is much more cerebral than that. And I think the only reason why 
it gets compared to that is the traps in later movies get more and more gruesome. And elaborate. And elaborate, but even more so than that. Saw 2 and Hostel came out in the same year. Yeah. And I think Hostel came first. Uh, so let me see Hostel. it was like so if we're if we're looking at it that way and timeline wise think about it this way you had saw which was two guys trapped in a room with a dead body in the middle of the floor which spoiler alert when jigsaw gets up from the middle of the floor not dead at the end of the film that twist still gets me every time. It's so good. You hear that music starting and then he gets up off the floor and peels the prosthetic back and then says game over and shuts the door. Oh, still every time. I just, I can't help but smile. It's so good. And that is, I feel like that's also a trademark of just really good storytelling and and being able to achieve that on screen. So again, this just says wonders about James Wan and Lee Winnell. Um, so I did a, some quick fat checking. So in September of 20, or I'm sorry, wow. So in September of 05, Hostel came out. And then one month later, at basically Halloween weekend of 2005, Saw 2 came out. And then Saw 1 released in 2004. That's okay. Oh, wow. It released in the US uh, on October 29, 2004. But it was. It was it premiered in Sundance in January of of that same year. Yeah, and then the opening weekend of Saw, Saw Two was approved. Yeah, yeah, it which I it think just, is so fucking cool. It's awesome. So just for those of you who, in case you somehow missed all of the spoilers we gave you, the one sentence synopsis of Saw, according to IMDb is two strangers who awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there soon discover their pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. A completely spoiler-free <laughs> <laughs> synopsis. What I, what I love about the, the, the kernel of this idea, like a lot of these ideas and a lot of the, I guess the trademarks and the cinematic quirks of the Saw movies... A lot of people, at least when it came out, a lot of critics were were saying, oh, wow, this is like some type of new, fresh uh, horror filmmaking style. Um, But a lot of it, uh, a lot of these traits that Saw is now really well known for, it it just came out of necessity, aka didn't have, they had a super low budget, so they had to figure shit out. So, for example, uh, James Wan and um, uh, Lee Whannell... They wanted. They were inspired by the Blair Witch Project, and uh, they really wanted to do their own low-budget horror movie. Uh, they only had like enough money to rent out or get a space of like one room or one warehouse. So, based on those limitations, they um, they came up with an idea. Oh, what if what if we had a horror movie that majority of the of it takes place in one room that's where they came up with the idea of two men waking up chained to a pipe in an old industrial bathroom it wasn't until i forget it was Juan or lanelle i think it was lanelle um when he he had like a doctor's appointment the experiences of that doctor's appointment 
of, of like that dread of that being was told, Lee Winnell, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, like being told you're terminally ill and you're gonna die in X amount of time. Uh, that gave him the inspiration for the character of Jigsaw, and then those that idea called, crystallized into the one of the main uh, subplots of the movie. So I thought I thought that was really interesting. Well, yeah, Jigsaw's whole thing is he wants you to appreciate the life that you have and the life that you've been given. And because people take that for granted. So, and he goes into that a little bit more in the se- in the sequel. He talks he talks a little bit more about his diagnosis and things like that. But yeah. And James Wan actually designed and built the Billy doll. Yeah, I get yeah, this movie in general was very low budget but you couldn't you You couldn't really tell but you couldn't really tell like for example like all like the majority of this film was shot in one warehouse like so for example obviously they built the set for the bathroom but all the other interior scenes were other rooms of that same warehouse they just dressed it up a bit like for example like the one of the bath uh the what's it called uh, Dr. Gordon's house, that's part of the warehouse. The chase scene and the parking garage scene, they were filmed in the same location. So I think it's just re- really great with how, despite any limitation, or all these limitations or just budgeting constraints, they just, they it still felt and looked like a high-budget, high-quality film. And this is why still today, it's one of the highest grossing horror movies of all time and i think it's just a testament to the genius behind the whole production team oh 100 percent. we talked a little bit about the first one i think i feel i feel like we're spending a lot of time talking about uh how much we love it which is fine mm-hmm. um but yeah it's still apart from the little subplots of danny glover and his wife and his kids and the affair and all of that the, the plot of Saw is pretty basic. It's really basic. I think and that's what, what makes it so good. I mean, that's how I feel about the Purge movies. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they're like the idea is like it's a little bit outlandish uh, on paper, but like when executed, it's like really it really is terrifying or really is suspenseful or it, they're they're great thrillers. Um... And it, but it, I think both of those movies taps or has something uh, poignant or it has, or it's like an interesting thought experiment on just like the human condition in general. Like, like the purchase, like what if Lord of the Flies was real, but expanded to on a societal level? Like if, if man has no rules and no structures and civilization, people, man's got to, you know, go back to primal bestial desires and... I think the main core message of Saw, uh, wrapped in a bunch of really grisly traps, is Jigsaw's quote-unquote solution to try to solve the problem of uh, human apathy. Like, humans don't care uh, about each other. Humans take life for granted. And um, yes, Jigsaw takes really drastic means to prove his point, but... It's still a really intriguing philosophical question to, to mull about. And I, I think extrapolating it into 
into a medium or into a dialogue that takes it to like the darkest darkest fringes of the envelope like yes it, uh like i think it's i think it's still a, a core message that or that core question that they, they try to ask they try to tease out of the viewer and the characters within the film i think it's just i think just that, that I think that's why, in particular, the two still hold up. They still have that great charm. I mean, I, it's been a while since I've seen the third movie and on, but I don't quite recall having. I don't. I don't recall them having as much focus on those type of themes. I think they just get carried away with like the spectacle of like the, all the traps and stuff. Yeah, I think that it goes from all of that. I think Jigsaw's whole perspective is quite literally testing the fabric of human nature and I think he says that in the movie and Jigsaw is patient and calculating and very aware you know what Jigsaw's great at time management I don't know how long he's had cancer but like he's learned a ton about like a human anatomy and surgery and Maybe he was an engineer or carpenter or a craftsman in the past, but like he's, I I would like to think that Tobin Bell learned in one year how to like you know weld and cut and you know just handle contra- uh, uh, complex machinery and mechanics because the amount of time and planning and know how and, and, and the ability to just like think on your feet like Tobin Tobin Bell is just. Or just John, um, like he really managed his time well, and like it's it's crazy. It's like Joker level or Joker levels of of planning. Like there's like I I just love I just love how he's basically a criminal genius. Oh no doubt he is. What I love, what I think Saul really needs to be appreciated for is Tobin Bell laid down. In the middle of that floor, the entire time. He is the serial killer that everyone's after. And yet, he is right there in the middle of the floor the entire time. And the only time we hear him speak is when he says, Some people are so ungrateful to be alive, but not you, not anymore. And then Adam starts screaming and he says, Game over. And he shuts the door. And then the movie ends. And that... I don't care how many M. Night Shyamalan movies you've seen. I don't care how many horror movies you've seen. That is a fucking twist. And it gets me every time. That music starts. He gets up. I said this already. But it's still, it just, it does something to you. And then you go, oh my god. It's that oh my god moment that you look for. I mean, the whole movie, I feel like you're sitting on the edge of your seat. And the subplots aren't even done sloppily. It's, it's just very well it's, collected together. It really earns its surprise twist. It that's does. the same thing. That's the same thing with Saul too. Like I feel like after, well, well now that Saul I've seen 3, it a bunch, you can see it coming, and I'll tell you why. Finish your thought first, but I will tell you why you can see it coming. Yeah, I, I think in Saul two, you could predict it more because of the, the context clues. So like, uh, what's his name? Detective Matthews is walking through the house, uh, and they're cutting in between the two different timelines or time frames, and like. Like Detective Matthews, uh, prowl throughout the house. It, the house is like super dark, and 
um, and unlit. Um, also, at the same time, uh, the tactical SWAT team is to keep saying, oh, we can't see you on the video screens. We can't see you. Um, and so I think I saw too that you could see the twist coming, but back when I first saw it, I guess from a maybe from a first time viewer, or maybe I, I just was so immersed and enthralled that I subconsciously didn't pick up the, the clues. But when the timer shuts down and then the safe opens, you saw that uh, Daniel was in the safe the entire time. And you're like, that's what he meant. He was in a safe and secure location the entire time. Like, I just love, I just love how, I think that was like the other I think it saw to really, really earn that moment of, of shock and awe in the reveal. And I think afterwards in Saw three and on, like I think you're trained to like to listen for like the the grand finale that that spoopy, uh, iconic music, um, and you're expecting a twist. But I think especially with the first two, where we didn't really. I think like the saw formula, if you could say, wasn't quite encapsulated yet, um, or wasn't just pounded to our heads yet. Um, I thought Saw Two still definitely earned its surprise ending. Oh, absolutely! And while I was watching it, I sort of tried to keep as mu- as many notes for the context clues that Jigsaw was giving you as possible. So before I do that, I just want to read the one-line synopsis of Saw 2 from IMDb. For this one, it says, A detective and his team must rescue eight people trapped in a factory by the twisted serial killer known as Jigsaw. Now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was seven people in the house. Not eight. Uh, you had Amanda, you had Daniel, you had Xavier, Jonas... Obi. Addison, Laura, Obi. Was that it? Yeah. Uh... Seven people. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. And here's the thing. So one of the things that should have been a clue the whole time, for me at least, that I remember writing down was at least the context clues to indicate to you that Amanda was in on it. There were seven people in the house. There were six antidotes. Everybody had a room with a trap. We didn't get to everybody's because people started dying. But there were only six antidotes. So where was Amanda's? Amanda was going to be fine no matter what. So there's that. Plus she did everything she could to keep Daniel as close to her as possible and keep him safe. Mm -hmm. So there's also that. And again, there's Jigsaw giving you all the information you need without you ever realizing it between the safe comment that you already covered to the numbers are in the back of your mind right Mm -hmm. here on the base of your neck or 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 uh tobin bell just asking detective mattis all you gotta do is just talk talk with me for two hours and you'll win the game right and he was counting on detective matthews in patience because he knew that wasn't going to happen Saw 2 also earns its twist at the end, that Amanda was in on it the whole time, and that she says that she's going to pick up the mantle for John's work, and 
Now, yeah, what is the, the cure to cancer? Immortality. Immortality. And- here's the thing, though. There's That girl's got a couple screws loose. And I know we're going to go over this in three and four because I vaguely remember it being mentioned. That needle pit. Yeah. Even I I remember watching in theaters. Like, uh, like okay. So I thought yeah. I knew my tolerance. Like, I, obviously, I, I can't do Poughkeepsie tapes. But... Um, <laughs> I remember, like, most of the scenes I had, like, no problem with, uh, except for the needle scene. The needle scene was just like, uh, uh, and they're dirty needles, too, and it was just terrible. So, I I watched how they made the needle pit. They took over 123,000 syringes, took the needle part out, and replaced it with a fiber optic cable that they painted so it didn't hurt. uh, So, they're not real. Smart. They're not real, obviously. They weren't going to throw her into a pit of real needles. But they padded the outside and everything with foam so that it could, it wouldn't be as hard to the touch. Originally, the concept for the needle pit was to have the needles go like all the way up to her neck. But the thing is, is you wouldn't sink in a bed of needles. So that didn't work. That's why they had her be thrown down into a pit of needles like that they put slime on the needles so she could throw them and move them around and then to get the full look of her when she comes out of the pit that was a combination of prosthetics and special padding that they put underneath her clothes for her to have the needles sticking out and when he starts pulling the needles out of her arm that was done with a foam hand. So that's yeah, it was a fake arm. Fifty yeah. percent fake, which was fine, obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, we love practical effects. I do love, I do love some practical effects. Also, something I noticed this watch around that I never noticed before: Addison's trap. If she had taken like two extra minutes and two extra steps and looked through the box, she would have seen a lock and a key on the other side where she could have just popped it open mm-hmm. instead of sticking her hand underneath through the glass. That's what I felt about Obi's trap. They could have just walked around to the window side of the furnace and just broke it and then But they grabbed. still... But yeah, so here's the thing is, this is why Jigsaw's so intelligent, though. He counts on people... He counts on people's stupidity or ignorance. Not even just their stupidity, their flaws and their temperament. It's like he studies you to know you you so that he can create something that is literally to your detriment because of your flaws as a human human being. He knew Obi was just going to climb on in there and that no one would think, okay, let's see if there's another way to do it. Also, not for nothing, but again, Jigsaw gave him all the context clues he needed. He said, once you're in hell, the only person who can get you out is the devil. Yeah. And then by the time the the fire was raging too hard and like Obi was panicking, so he he didn't do it. Right. But before the flames got too high, it was was on the wall. It was like, there was like a little devil. And then there was a knob. It says, twist me. It says, twist me. I mean, we'll get into it, especially with Amanda's character. But yeah, Jigsaw, he devises his traps where they. They definitely push your envelope, but they're solvable. There's actually a way out. It's just a matter of like willpower and 
I guess, ingenuity and just like trying to, trying to like, trying to forcing it, forcing yourself to like really think and think, think outside the box. Well, and Amanda even says that he's like, she, she was like, he wants us to survive this. You just have to play by the fucking rules. She's not mm-hmm. wrong. Exactly. Yeah. He wants you to be worthy of the life you're given in his own way. But that means you need to play by the rules he has set out for you. Mm-hmm. You'd think that in a house with seven other people, y'all could find some common ground in a way to all work this out together. But no, he but... knew that <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. Uh, freaking Xavier. <laughs> yeah, but even with Detective Matthews, he counted on his impatience. He yeah. knew exactly what was going to happen. And also, um, Shawnee Smith, who plays Amanda, Tobin Bell, who plays uh, Jigsaw, and the woman who plays Detective or Sergeant Carey. Yeah, they're like the only returning actors ex- from the first movie. Precisely what I was going to yeah. say, the only ones. Unless you um, count Adam's corpse. <laughs> I don't. Cause oh, no. <laughs> or, or poor Zep. <laughs> eh. Is it really poor Zep, though? Really? No, no, not really. really. Yeah. Shawnee Smith did do all of her shots for the first Saw movie in one day, though. Yeah, and she said she loved the needle pit for season for season two for um, Saw two. I I just love I just love Shawnee Smith's um, casting backstory for the first one. She turned down the role the first time, and then they offered the role to her a second time, and she accepted after watching. Uh, the short film they made and I found it really sweet that uh, James Wan always wanted to cast uh, Shawnee into his film because she had he had a crush on her while I was a teenager and then uh, and then like the casting director was like hey we casted Smith and he was like oh great <laughs> now my life is complete <laughs> my life is complete uh, but yeah I love Sha- Shawnee Smith I think she's really great Trying to remember, I think Saw Three was her last film. No, or maybe it was four. I don't know. Saw the Saw franchise plays a lot with time, um, and they skip. There's there's flashbacks and there's flashbacks within flashbacks and then there's flash forwards, and it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, but um, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Shadi Smith, she's awesome. I just I think that. There are parts of Saw that get a really bad rap for being torture porn. And while I do think that that is a plausible title and label to give it with the later films, I don't know if the first two are deserving of that. No, I I would say the first two are more psychological thriller than horror. Um, The the traps are are definitely... They are like well entrenched in the cinematic dna of the films but i st- i mean i i haven't we'll see we'll when we do our next episode and we watch three and four but i i still i still am wistful for all the things that make these first two movies great i mean who knows it's been a while so i might have a new ma- new found appreciation for like three and four um or even five i mean i i barely remember five i barely remember five yeah five six Um, seven eight will be as far as i'm concerned like first watches for me i i could see why it went that direction um especially from a studio standpoint um and sometimes like 
studio execs that could get the wrong impression of what makes a movie great or you know sometimes the bottom line is the dollar and what drives what drive what drives people to the seats more gore it's like oh let's see how much we can outdo ourselves with even more complex and gory traps i mean that's that's still a very much a part about saw I th- I, I, at least i mean well, i'm curious to see about if we're proven right or wrong in the future films but like does that underlying philosophical message or question that that there are so integral to the first two movies does it get diluted does it just focus more on the the gore or or does does the plot get even more convoluted because i remember like the 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 plots and the twists and the framing of the narrative gets a lot more complicated as the movies go on but that's, that remains to be seen. That remains to be seen. I I think that this is awesome that we're starting with this as a franchise exploration. I am really excited to see where the franchise takes us. And like you said, if Jigsaw's initial message of, you know, those who don't appreciate life don't deserve it still holds true throughout the rest of the franchise i hope it does there's only one way to find out and we're gonna do it yay (laughs) so i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. but yeah i i'm excited to see where uh where all this goes me too this is gonna Um, be this is definitely gonna be i you know what they started off really really strong with this franchise yeah and James Wan and Lee Winnell saw was their baby. They did the short. They did the first movie. This movie has another one of my favorite horror movie directors at the helm. He is a man by the name of Darren Lynn Bowsman. And he brought a different kind of element to it. Just like he's going to bring a different element to Saw. I'm pretty sure he directed Saw 2 and 3. And I think that's where he stopped. And he brings a different element to it as well, especially when it comes to the traps. I mean, he's not sane either. He's kind of a twisted, screwed up, like, screwball too, in the best way possible. Watching the behind the scenes of all of of this stuff, everyone was laughing on set and having a good time. I mean, I feel like horror movie sets are probably one of the most fun play, like, one of the most fun sets to work on. Because when you spend most of your day in terror and screaming all the time, you need something to laugh at. You need an outlet. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) so there's that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we watched the first two Saw movies, Ryan. What are your favorite, what's your favorite trap from each film? Hmm. Wait, do we get one overall or one from each movie? One, One per film. One per film. Okay, well, yeah. the... F- okay. Reverse bear trap from the first one, hands down. Um, From the second one? I love the needle pit. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. It's so gross. It's so... Ugh. It's so... It, like, it makes her skin crawl. And you just... You hear the plastic clinking together and... And, oh. I, that one's my favorite. What yeah, about you? and Shawnee Smith was really chewing the scenery while just flailing around the pit. I loved it. Oh, she's the uh, best. Yeah, 
Uh, I gotta say, I really love the reverse bear trap. And even though we didn't see, or it was a really short scene, and I, I think it was, it's pretty much an homage to the first, but I really love the Venus flytrap death mask scene from the beginning of Saw 2. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like, oh, it's a modern day Iron Maiden for your face. And That's exactly what I thought. I was like, it's a mini <laughs> Iron Maiden. Yay. And I, I think it, it's just another, it's another uh, feather in Jigsaw's cap to show like how skilled he is despite being, you know, on life support. Actually, like how long do you think it took, it takes between Jigsaw first getting his diagnosis to the beginning of the second Saw movie? What, well, okay, four so- years, five years? Because I, I think, I mean, in terms of, plot armor or like plot hole logic i mean but the the length of time that could have gone in between any of that is sort of you can't really determine that because that's what's so scary about cancer is you either can get diagnosed with it and they can say you have x amount of time and then you beat all those odds and you can live for years and years and years or they can say you have X amount of time and you can be dead in a week. I have a feeling that we're going to get the timeline together eventually. Because he gets diagnosed and then tries to kill himself. And then that is what gives him the idea to do all of this. Yeah. And then he spends, he like, again, he's, he's like, he's going through like Batman levels of training. Like, I, I'm going to learn about chemistry and medicine and, and surgery. And by the time and- you see him at the end of Saw 2, he's sitting there with shaking hands and a chemo and chemotherapy sitting behind him while he's sitting in a chair with a, with an oxygen mask on his face. So I, I definitely think that they knew they were going to make eight Saw movies. That's actually an Easter egg in um, Insidious. If you look behind Patrick Wilson while he's sitting uh, at his desk at school, you see Billy's face behind him with the number eight underneath it. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that knowing that you were inevitably going to make that many Saw movies, I don't think it's... I think it's a very, it's not an accident that the last movie is called Jigsaw. I think that that'll answer any questions that we're posing now. It's just a feeling I have. I really, I have, I have, I could be totally wrong and talking out of my ass because I've never seen it, but I have a feeling that it will be a closure to all of this. So we'll yeah. see what happens. The point I was bringing up is like, Jigsaw picked up all this extraneous amounts of knowledge and expertise in a lot of different fields. And like in the beginning of Saw 2, we see him do surgery. He implants a key in someone's eyeball. And um That was actually Darren Lynn Bellsman under that room, just as yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I love that. I, I think it just shows like how insidious and ingenious a character is. And um the, and he the still has itself. not actually killed anybody himself. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and like the trap itself was really um, great. And 
uh, in classic Saw fashion, like they had like super cuts of him of the guy like just losing his shit, and then like you know him snapping it shut. Um, so I really like that's my favorite from Saw Two. That being said, I still it still gets me every time seeing that pit needle scene. Uh, so that gets an honorable mention for me. Um, yeah. I have a feeling it's only going to get worse from here, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, so like I, I, I really don't remember the majority of the Saw three traps. I think the only one I can remember is from the beginning of the movie, where like someone's on a rack and their their limbs are being turned around like three hundred sixty degrees. I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've seen Saw three, so but I'm excited for it. I'm so excited! Hell yeah! Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts about Saw? Keep them coming. Just keep them coming. Um, I just like to say the Saw, the first two Saw movies started at a very healthy or unhealthy uh, obsession. Take it as you will with with Billy the Puppet, because I <laughs> for years I wanted um, a Billy the Puppet. Um, just in my room or part of my collection. I mean, now, I, I would always like troll my friends. Oh yeah, you're gonna wake up and then you're gonna find a Billy the Puppet uh, doll placed by right next to you. I want to be. I want to install a radio into it and start saying spooky shit to you. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Chris, I believe that can still happen to you because I had always wanted a Chucky doll and I have one. <gasps> okay. Yes. I don't know. Something I just I love Billy the Puppet. Billy the Puppet is my favorite. My favorite puppet. Billy the Puppet's awesome. You yeah. should be Billy the Puppet for Halloween. I should. We should. We have so many Halloween ideas. I know. Yes. Anywho. All right. Uh, so that was it for <laughs> Saw One and Two. <laughs> Yay! It was a great start. We love. We love the first two. Uh, Let's see what happens with the next two. Those. That's going to be three and four. We're just. We're going to go in chronological order. I'm not sure if everyone's aware of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, thank you for listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on our website at leftfordread.com. And guys, also, we have a blog section that is also on there where Chris and I, if we've watched something that week or we just have musings about something or like I said, I had feelings about the new Ted Bundy movie. That's where you're going to find all that stuff. So check that out. Check us out every Friday. And don't forget, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs>